0: The Will-O'-The-Wisp From Echoes of the Forest By William Edgar Brown Read for LibriVox.org By Sandra A legend of the Pacific Northwest Retold from Phillips's Fairy Tales Long ago there lived a maiden With bright eyes and comely features Fair was she among the maidens She the pride of all the village And the youth, Wawahoo loved her said wawahu to the maiden when they met beneath the birch tree love i cannot live without thee let us marry in the summer when the salmon berries ripen but the chief wawahu's father did not know his son's arrangement so he gave his son to marriage to another indian maiden daughter of the chief Kaklakhal. now this great chief hayas tai was a man of wondrous power. He not only ruled his people, but the birds and beasts and insects swiftly ran to do his bidding. And t'was said all people feared him, save one chief, great Klakamas Now, for many snows these warriors waged fierce war against each other, waged a long and weary warfare. Why they did so, none could answer, why the warriors slew each other waged fierce wars with bows and arrows with their sharp knives slashed each other on the ground their life blood spilling stained the bright leaves with their red blood while at home their wives and children waited lonely for the father sadly watched for his returning knew not why they were so hungry why he went upon the war-path why the wolf's howl made their hearts ache when at last of warfare weary they met in the council chamber where for peace the wise men counselled, smoked the pipe of peace together, said no more they'd wear the war paint. Spoke the great chief Klakamaska to the father of Wawahu. Let us cease this dreadful warfare. Why should brothers kill each other? Why should we the club and scalp knife use to torture one another? Let the cold earth drink our life-blood. As a pledge of peace between us, let your son espouse my daughter. I will give my child in marriage to the son of Hayas, Taiyi. Then with head downcast and solemn, It is well, replied Hayas, Taiyi. Nothing knew the youth Wawahu of the plans made by his father, of the pledge which he had given to the chief Klakamaska, until just before the wedding. Then in grief he sought the maiden, sought Ha-Ha, "'and sadly told her of the treaty and the council. "'There is left us one way only "'from the fate that's now impending. "'We must seek some far-off country "'where our tribes can never find us, "'where the great and gracious spirit, "'he, the one who dwells above us, "'will watch over and protect us. "'Will you go with me, my loved one, "'to the land where birds sing sweetly "'and the sunshine loves to linger? "'There we shall be always happy.' As the wedding feast drew nearer, swiftly flew the days before it. Only one was left for action, and Wawa who sought his sweetheart, that their plans might be completed. She came to him dressed her finest in white robe of spotless doe skin, glittering o'er with fine embroidery, marked with rare design and fancy, with the shining colored seashells. Wore she on her graceful shoulders such a shawl, so deftly woven by her dexterous, nimble fingers from the shredded bark of cedar, and her lover thought no maiden e'er possessed such wondrous beauty as the winsome maiden Ha Ha. Thus he spoke in words of sadness, yet in words of dauntless courage as they sat among the flowers, shining brightly in the sunshine. Wilt thou come with me, beloved? Wilt thou share my joys and sorrows? Wilt thou help me seek a new home in the green hills far beyond us? I can hear the gentle zephyrs softly calling from the woodlands. Let us seek this far-off country where we shall be free from danger and where we shall both be happy and forget about kla kla Then, at last, the bright-eyed ha laid her hand upon his shoulder, looked at him with face so pensive, looked with eyes that shone with love-light, "'Looked so trustful, tender, pleading, and in softest accents whispered, "'I will go with thee, beloved. "'In the village of Klaklakha, in the home of the great chieftain, "'they were making preparations for the feast which on the morrow "'for the wedding of his daughter to the great chief's son, Wawahu, "'would with pomp be celebrated.' And the maiden on the morrow, in her wedding robes attired, waited hour after hour for the tardy brave, Wawahu, wondering what could keep the bridegroom. Why, on such a great occasion, he should be so late in coming. Patiently the whole tribe waited, till the sun's last rays had vanished far behind the western mountains. Then the chief, in fiercest anger, sent swift runners to Hayas to demand an explanation for the unaccounted insult, which to him that day was given by the tardy youth, Wawahu, who had proved a faithless bridegroom. Highly incensed at the insult which his son had basely offered to the great chief Klakamaska, Hayas Thayi rose in anger, searched he vainly for Wawahu, searched in all parts of the village. He had fled to some far country, and the bright-eyed maiden, Ha-Ha, from her home was likewise missing. They have fled, cried hayas Tai. My command is treated lightly, and my son shall suffer for it. He shall suffer for this insult. Then hayas Tai called swift runners, called them in a hurried council, bade them far and near to travel, bade them search in every country where the pair might flee for safety, but they all returned discouraged, not one trace of them discovered. Then the great chief called a council of the beasts and birds and fishes. In this council he demanded they should go and find Wawahu, bring the disobedient to him, that he might be reprimanded for his act of disobedience. Then he spoke unto the eagles from their rocky eyries, gazing in the vaulted heavens soaring, or as with their piercing screeches they swooped down upon the white swan. "'Go and find the base Wawahu that he may be reprimanded.' "'Then straightway the keen-eyed eagles with their fiery eyes looked at him, "'and with one voice gave him answer, "'O oh, Hayas Tai, we'll obey thee. "'We will go and find Wawahu.' "'Straightway then the eagles mounted high in air and watched they for him, "'soared o'er woods and plains and mountains.' "'searched in every nook and corner, "'with their keen eyes, pierced the forest. "'On the shores of lakes and rivers, "'white-winged seagulls kept a lookout, "'save when on the crested white caps "'they in sport defied the tempest. "'Through the sparkling crystal waters "'swam the trout and perch and minnows "'with sharp eyes, the shoreline scanning, "'that Wawahoo might not catch them "'with his net and with his sharp hook. "'In the tall trees of the forest,' Frisking squirrels watched and waited, ceasing in their noisy chatter, hoping that the young wawahoo with his bended bow of hickory, might come hunting in the forest and betray his place of hiding. Yet not one of these could find him, nor could tell where he had gone to. But the wolves, who scattered widely, ranging wildly through the forest, howling in the gloomy night-time, but from early morn till evening, chased the doe through moor and thicket. Soon, the hidden trail discovered. And the chief wolf knew Wawahu, knew his friend, for he had saved him and he would not tell his secret, nor permit his pack who followed to betray his place of hiding. It is said that the little blue jay rules the small birds of the forest, and he wields a power o'er them. Now the blue jay bade them hide him, and the lovely maiden Ha where no one could ever find them, thus from thence they were protected. Sent out by the chief high with a strict command to find them, the shrill-toned, shrill-voiced mosquito, with his countless band of followers, symphony austere, were sounding. Deep bass viol and piping piccolo, cornet and flute, commingling in a medley, distracting, though they found the fleeing couple, they would not betray their secrets. Thus it is with beast and insect, thus it is with bird and reptile, wolf and lamb shall dwell together. When all hearts are knit together, and man deals with man as brother, then a little child shall lead them. And he said unto the serpent, Go thou, silent, quiet traveller, who unheard, unseen doth follow, through the forest glades his victims. With thy sting insert the poison, glide thou over earth and find them, wheresoe'er they may be hiding. With thy sharp eyes learn their secret, come and tell me all the mystery." And from out his hole the serpent, with his subtle eyes, looked at him, and with graceful curve and wriggle to the chief thus made the answer, I will find them, O, oh, my master, and he hide him on his journey. When the fleeting youth, Wawahu, and his bride, the bright-eyed Ha-Ha, many, many moons had travelled, they at last reached a bright valley filled with sunshine, birds, and flowers, over which the perfumed zephyrs gently swayed the graceful elm trees, and the grapevine wound his tendrils in full many a form. Fantastic! While spread out, like Eden's garden stretching forth from mount to river, reached this spacious, fertile valley. Birds were singing in the branches, larks were skimming o'er the meadows, bees hummed low among the blossoms, while the wild rose, fresh and fragrant, reigned as queen among the flowers, and the violet and daisy did their part to lend enchantment to the beauty of the landscape. Till from mountain unto river, till from forest unto forest, rolled in graceful inundations like a gorgeous panorama, like a paradise of Eden, to their view this wondrous valley. Here, said Wawahu, my beloved, We shall both be safe from danger. See the berries in abundance. We can feast ourselves upon them. See the fruit which grows luxuriant. We can pluck and not go hungry. In the river the great spirit for our food has placed the fishes. From the forest, game, and shelter. Here within this beauteous valley let us build our lodge of birch bark. For protection from the tempest, from the heat, and from the north wind, out of poles he built a teepee built a lodge for warmth and shelter, where they too might dwell together in the joy of their seclusion. With strong poles of ash and cedar, with much care he laid the framework, closely covered it with birch bark, and the blue smoke curling upward, gently blown by morning zephyrs, gave a touch of life to nature, sent enchantment to the valley, and their hearts beat fast with pleasure as they looked upon their dwelling. When the lodge had been completed and they looked with pride upon it, with a joy and satisfaction known only to the workman who with utmost skill has labored his appointed task to finish, and with pride says, it is well done. Then a light canoe he fashioned, built it of the yellow birch bark, and the white swan on the river floated not with curve more graceful than this chaman of Wawahoo as his light craft skimmed the water guided by the skilful pilot. Then he fashioned wondrous weapons, glittering spear and barbed arrows, long bows made of stalwart hickory that could send the flint stone arrow like the lightning on its journey, leaping, hissing on its journey, to the heart of bear or beaver, or, from top of tallest hemlock, he could shoot the golden pheasant or bring down the dainty pigeon. While her husband was thus busied, gentle, bright-eyed, happy, ha-ha, brought the cedar bark and wove it into many-coloured blankets, mats she made for them to walk on, from the rushes she had gathered. Nets made she from roots of hemlock. Thus this young and happy couple seemed to know no care or sorrow. Well content to dwell together, sighed they not for keener pleasure. Each day seemed a day of sunshine, when each day Their task was ended. Hand in hand they walked together, watched the shadows of the tall trees, longer grow across the valley, watched the sunset's crimson glory change its color in the heavens, watched the birds as they flew homeward to their nests in shady woodlands. Thus their life was crowned with blessings, crowned with peace and true enjoyment. Thus it is when the Great Spirit joins a man and maid together, When true love and fond affection joins their hearts to one another, seals their love with bond celestial, like the stalwart oak, the husband beating off the storms that gather for the wife, rest, and protection, like the grapevine, is the woman, clinging closely to her husband, strengthens him for each endeavor. Who would cut such love asunder? Who destroy their holy union? Now, alas... A change came o'er them, and their joy was turned to sorrow. Night came on, and storm and tempest. Winter came, Kolesnas, the winter. Cold winds blew, and thick the snow fell. Who can tell why the great spirit turns his face against his children, and allows them thus to suffer? Why he plucks their fairest flowers, and the ones we love best, perish? So it was with young Wawahu, and the winsome bright-eyed ha for one day Kolasnas, the winter from his home in the far northland, came forth to their place of hiding. In the morning from the teepee walked he forth toward the river. Thus spoke he in words, commanding as he stretched his great hands skyward, Let thick ice congeal this river, so that man can walk upon it. Let the lakes and ponds and brooklets with thick ice be covered over. And forthwith the frost made answer, O oh, my master, I obey thee. Then he turned toward the mountain, hands outstretched and head uncovered. In the breeze his white locks flowing, and in deep bass voice commanded that the hills and plains and valleys with snow should be covered over. Straightway, then, the storm clouds gathered. Ashen gray, the sky o'erspreading, calm the air and still the forest. E'en the seared leaves ceased their falling, To their dens the wild beasts hide them, for they knew a storm was coming. Such a hush suffused the forest that the heart felt sad and lonely, as from fear and sad foreboding and a thrill of joy and sorrow. Each one striving for the mastery swayed the soul with strong emotions, and a white flake fluttered downward, white and pure as spotless swans down then another and another, hurrying not to end their journey, but in sport of play to linger till they reach their destination. Faster now the flakes are falling till the earth with snow is covered. Hark! What is that sound which rises from the bosom of the forest? Can it be a lion roaring as he leaps upon his victim? See, the forest trees are swaying, stalwart oaks are bending downward, Now a moan, a wail, a-sighing from the tall trees of the forest, and it surges nearer, nearer, till it bursts with all its fury, rocking, swaying all the forest, rushing on with roar, triumphant, bursting with a shock, appalling, thus it sweeps the whole wide country. With the winter came the famine, came the famine and the hunger, for Wawahoo could no longer catch the fish to stay their hunger, and no game was in the forest though he sought in vain to find it. Then the bright-eyed, trustful Ha-Ha laid her down upon the bearskin, tried in vain to stop the teardrops from her eyes which fast were falling, and her cheeks grew pale and paler. Sighed she then for her own country, and Wawahu in the forest hunting with his bow and arrows for a trace of deer or pheasant that he to his lodge might hasten, make the broth to save his loved one. But alas, in vain he hunted till his heart grew sick with anguish then the night grew dark around him and the storm clouds darkly lowered as the sun sank and the night came sank his soul in gloom and darkness then a voice came in the darkness oh wa my beloved i must go away and leave you far away from this drear valley from the lodge so cold and cheerless to a land that knows no hunger, where we need no fire to warm us, to a land where Yelt, the raven, cannot steal away the fire. Farewell, husband, I'm going. I can hear a soft voice calling to the land of the great spirit. I will meet you there, beloved, in the land that knows no weeping, when the voice had ceased its pleading and the night winds moaned about him, such a sadness seized upon him, such a sad and dread foreboding, that at once he started homeward, for he feared that death had entered his cold lodge and slain his ha When at last his lodge he entered from his long and toilsome journey, no bright fire was there to greet him, no bright smile a welcome to give him, no fond arms outstretched to meet him for the chief of death had entered carried off the soul of haha left her body cold and lifeless fair hands folded on her bosom then wowahu broken-hearted laid him down upon the bear skin laid him down beside his haha shook his frame with deep emotion heaved his breast like ocean billows and the tears fell from his eyelids till his couch was wet with weeping Nevermore the trustful Ha-Ha, with those eyes, would look upon him. Nevermore would walk beside him in the glowing evening sunset. For a day and night he lay there, wept as if his heart were breaking. Who can tell what anguish stirs him when the husband and provider sees that want and desolation stare upon his wife and children and he fears they will go hungry? Then at last a longing seized him, "'a great longing for his ha-ha. "'I will follow my beloved to the land of the great spirit. colonel death, refused to take me, "'but my loved one I will follow. "'I shall find her in the soul land.' "'Straightway, then, he took the body to a great rock. "'There he bore it to a high rock "'where the river leaped and sparkled far beneath him, "'for the rock o'erhung the river "'and the great fall roared below it. "'He would leap into the river.' With one arm he held the maiden, closely folded to his bosom. With the other raised to heaven, thus he stood upon the boulder. Thus he stood with one foot forward, calm, erect, and death-defiant. With his eyes cast towards the heavens, he his death-song sadly chanted, O oh, my ha-ha, thou hast left me, thou hast left me, my beloved, on that white road thou art walking. I can see it in the heavens, and I cannot live without thee. Hark! I hear the water roaring, and its voice is like the music. Tis the voice of my beloved calling to me from the soul land. I will go and join my loved one in the land of pleasant forests. As his shrill war whoop he sounded, leaped he in the foaming waters. But Wawa who did not perish, though coal sick he vainly courted, For some power in the water held him firm above the mad waves, bore him down the raging current through the rapids and the whirlpool, safe upon the shore it cast him. When again his eyes he opened, he was in his father's tipi, and his father, great Hayas was the first to look upon him, and his frown was like the tempest. In great anger then his father spoke unto the disobedient, "'Thou hast sinned against thy father.' Thou hast held his counsel lightly. Thou hast brought disgrace upon us, brought us shame and dire confusion. For the warriors of our nation, thou art not a fit companion. Thus I cast thee out forever. From this moment I transform thee to a green frog of the marshes. So be gone unto thy dwelling in the mud shalt thou sit daily. Sing to me from morn till evening, sitting thus upon thy haunches, looking at me with thy wall eyes, at the least noise that thou hearest in the muddy water leaping. So into a frog he changed him by the magic of his power, and each night a song he's singing sings he mournful little ditties. As his mournful songs he's singing, he's calling to his loved one, to his wife, the bright-eyed ha-ha. And ha-ha, the spirit maiden wanders nightly through the marshes, through the swamps. Each night she wanders, seeking for her missing husband. While she seeks, she holds a white light, small and high, it goes before her. Now it moves so slow and steady, now it darts as does a firefly, now it disappears entirely. She's looking for Wawa Hu, but she never finds her husband, for whenever she approaches, he, in fear, leaps in the water. Thus this trustful spirit maiden wanders on and on, not knowing that she's been so near her husband, near the one she's been seeking. So night after night the faint glow can be seen from Ha-Ha's lantern. Here and there among the marshes see the little white light gleaming, and it cheers the spirit maiden as she seeks for her beloved, and it says to her, despair not. If you seek him, you will find him, fear thee not the little light says. So it is, as on we journey through this world of song and sunshine, through this world at times so lonely when the eyes are dim with weeping, goes our little light before us, goes our light of hope to cheer us, high and white it is uplifted, like a faint star in the heavens, ever says to us, have courage. Will-o'-the-wisp is what they called it, as faint it gleamed through reeds and marshes, will-o'-the-wisp, of hope, an emblem. But tis the light held up by ha but the white light of her lantern, as the faithful spirit maiden seeks Wawahoo through the marshland. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain.